Welcome to Patients at Risk, a discussion of the dangers that patients face when physicians are replaced with non-physician practitioners. I'm your host, Dr. Rebecca Bernard, and I'm joined by my co-host and the co-author of our book, Patients at Risk, The Rise of the Nurse Practitioner and Physician Assistant in Healthcare, Dr. Narana Lajba. Before we start, I want to let our listeners know that during this episode, we will be discussing topics that some may find disturbing, including suicide. If you are having any mental health concerns or thoughts of self-harm, help is available. Please contact the Suicide Prevention Lifeline for assistance. In December, Patients at Risk aired two podcasts in which we discussed the case of Gerald J. Baltz, a psychiatric nurse practitioner who was under investigation by the California Board of Nursing for engaging in an inappropriate sexual relationship and providing questionable treatment to a patient who subsequently took her own life. While we did not provide any identifying details at that time, other than what was included in public documents, since the time of that recording, friends and family members have come forward to identify the patient as Stevie Ryan, a Hollywood comedian and YouTube sensation who seemed to be on the verge of stardom when her life came to a tragic end at the age of just 33 years old. We are joined today by Uni Kim, Stevie Ryan's close friend and confidant. Uni, thank you so much for joining us to talk about this tragedy, and I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. I still miss her and think about her every day, and my God, she, like, her mom loved her so much, and her family, like, it's it's a tragedy because she was so generous of heart, you know? Absolutely. Taking advantage of, I feel. What was it that made you want to come forward to talk about this story? Stevie was one of the first people I knew who talked about mental health openly. And I don't mean like she in detail, like as she was having, if she was like feeling depressed and crying, she would, she would show everybody and live stream. And honestly, like, I remember back then thinking like, Ooh, like I would never cry publicly just because that's how I was raised, you know, we're all raised like that. But it's in retrospect, I see how courageous that was to share like obviously we all have moments like that where we cry why can't we share those moments and just feel more human I wanted to talk to you guys because I know I feel that Stevie would want me to talk to you guys and I do feel like since she was such a pioneer in talking about mental health and what pills she was on or not on like she would want me to continue her mission and like help other vulnerable people and I feel like, especially with the pandemic, it's just really easy to exploit people in like the mental health industry. You're so right. And I saw that, uh, you know, shortly before we lost her, she actually did a show where she talked about mental health. And I'm sure that was really inspirational to so many people that are struggling with mental health issues. I think it is. I think even just to talk about it makes it um, normalizes it. Right. I mean, I want to talk about it sometimes on my social media, but most of the time I just, like, you know, delete because I get embarrassed. And so I just really respect how open she was. That's really fearless to share that. 
You know, what I was so struck by is uh, obviously the L.A. Times piece has come out and I commend you and Stevie Ryan's parents, especially for having the same courage. I think you all displayed a ton of courage coming out and really sharing her story because I know that wasn't easy. And so, number one, I want to thank you. But something that I I kind of got the feeling from your quotes, as well as uh, actually from her father, who said, I don't want him to continue doing this to other people. And I live in Washington state and I think so much about the fact that he has a license to practice unrestricted in Washington state. And so ever since we talked about this story, we learned about Gerald Baltz and the fact that he's licensed here, I, I think there's got to be something that we can do to carry it forward. So he doesn't hurt other people. I think number one, thanks for your courage. Number two, I agree. I think she would have, Stevie would have wanted you and her parents to come out and talk about this. And so I guess, what do you want out of coming forward and talking about it? I want people to know that sometimes they might not be talking to a psychiatrist. You got to make sure what are their qualifications? You know, um, I know that me and Stevie 100% thought it was a doctor. I never knew what this different world of, you know, uh, this different world of like uh, nurse practitioners was. Um, I'm really sad that I only found out all this stuff until after her death. I, I think if people are at least know um, to ask or just even research on their own what their doctor's qualifications are, like, are they really a doctor? That could, that's a really good first step. Yeah, you're so right. And just to recap for people that don't know a lot about this story, Jay Baltz had been a nurse for about six years when he met Stevie. He had a bachelor's degree in writing, and then he got his degrees in nursing and ended up getting his master's degree to become a nurse practitioner. And he was supposed to be practicing under supervision with a physician, but it didn't seem like he ever really was getting that supervision. And when the board of nursing investigated him, they had a lot of concerns about the way he was practicing. His documentation was not good. He had prescribed all sorts of medications to her without really justifying why. And it really seemed like he was trying to get her to do this transcranial magnetic treatment, which we investigated that a little bit and it's very Mm. expensive. And when did you first learn about his involvement with Stevie? I know she talked to you through texts about him. What did you know Um, about him? She didn't start really talking about him until April of 2017. And that's when they started dating. Um, She was like, oh, I think my my doctor's hot. She sent me all these texts. We talked every day. And so, like, did I know that it was wrong for a doctor to date his patient? Yes. Um, Stevie was really depressed and really sad. And as a friend, I just, I just wanted to be happy and you hope for the best. Like you don't think the absolute worst might happen. Um, I mean, of course. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I mean, you're her friend. It's not like you're going to give her a lecture about it. You're just there to be supportive. Mm-hmm. You don't know. And you assume that he will, you know, do the ethical <laughs> thing and be professional. But from the reporting that the Board of Nursing did, it certainly did not look like he was being very professional about it at all. Yeah, I wanted to ask kind of along the same lines. I think all friends will support their friend who has a crush on their doctor. You don't expect, and actually it's not really a doctor, it's a nurse practitioner. But again, the you don't expect the doctor or the nurse practitioner or whoever else in care to then reciprocate, right? It's our job not to reciprocate and develop a relationship. So I guess in all fairness... 
Because um, we're supposed to know better that the patients are also very vulnerable. You're talking to somebody about the most intimate parts of your life. And it's not, it's actually very well known in medicine and psychiatry, this idea of transference where you start to develop some feelings because somebody's listening to you, they're paying attention to you. And in the medical profession, we're trained and especially psychiatrists that we do not act on that because a person is not genuine, their feelings necessarily, it's coming out of a place of vulnerability. So that's why it's such a responsibility for a medical professional not to let that type of activity ever start to You can acknowledge it. He didn't, he jumped on that from what it looked like really quickly and entered real quick into a relationship with her that definitely did not seem very good. No, I do know that. So they dated in April and then uh, ended April, beginning of May, I forget they broke, she broke it off with him and she didn't want to date him anymore. The problem is, even though um, he said that he would refer to her to another doctor, she had to run into Baltz every time she went in for TMS. And so it, she, I remember she was telling me it's so awkward to run into someone you've broken up with. And he was still involved in her treatment, like trying to be involved. And even um, when he had referred her to someone else while he was dating her, he was still involved in her treatment. And... I just don't, she wanted to check herself into the hospital and he said, don't go. And I remember thinking at the time, okay, like she must not be that bad. Right. And then I, what I remember is after reading the complaint and seeing all the medications she was on. And I think back of the timeline, there was a time where she suddenly got so skinny and crying all the time and shaking. And I, I think it was the ADHD medication because what was she doing on that? I mean, there was a lot of weird, questionable stuff that I, yeah. Did she ever talk to you before about having ADHD? You know, part of the records show that he didn't really do a proper diagnosis. I mean, I'm a pediatrician and, you know, we're trained. We have a number of questionnaires and and a a, a number of workups and that process that we go through, you don't just throw medicines at someone. But I guess my question is, did she talk to you about those diagnoses as your, as a friend or gosh, I'm not sure about this guy. Or did she ever express reservations about what, what he was doing for treatment? Never. Do you think that's because she thought he was a doctor? Yes. 100%. Like, why are they allowed to be called doctors? They say physicians don't own the term doctor. That's the answer to your question. I mean, when we've asked it as well, the president of the American Academy of Nurse Practitioners says, quote, physicians do not own the term doctor. There's doctors of nursing practice. There's now doctor of medical science, which is what a PA can call themselves as a doctor. And you'll see it all over social media. There's a ton of TikTok videos of this doctor of dermatology, they'll call themselves, or a doctor of nursing dermatology. So I, I'm not sure why they're actually allowed. That's the answer they would give you. Mm-hmm. I think it's misleading. I don't, I don't know how you feel as a, as a, a patient or consumer. I feel like it's fraud. I mean, honestly, I do. Like, if would I want to go to her MP for my psychiatry? No. No. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that Naran and I talk a lot about, and we agree with you 100%. That is why we are getting the word out to other doctors, because a lot of doctors don't know about this, but mostly to patients, because how would you know? And you have a lot of nurse practitioners saying, we're just as good as doctors. We can do the same thing. They advertise to patients. And so here we are saying, well, Maybe they can do some things, but they do not have the same amount of training. A psychiatrist does five years of training after medical school. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is a lot. A psychiatric nurse practitioner does 500 hours of training. There's no way that they can necessarily give the same care. 
So why do you think he didn't want her to go to the hospital? Do you have any thoughts about that? I mean, first is one, he didn't want her to check in because he wanted to continue sleeping with her or two, he didn't want to get in trouble. Yeah, that's I think that's why. Right. He didn't want to get in trouble. He knew it was unethical. There's like I have screenshots of their text. Another friend has screenshots of their text, you know, where he says this is unethical for me, not for you, but for me. And I could lose my license and everything. Uh, he seemed to care more about himself, though, honestly, than her uh, well-being. Yeah, that's pretty clear from the text messages because he was telling her specifically, he's writing all sorts of things to her and then saying, delete this, delete this, yeah. and don't tell anybody. He was definitely looking out for his own best interest. Yeah. It's clear. And I think that's what I get so upset about the fact that he did all of this and he's been investigated. First of all, the person that reported him to the Board of Nursing seems to be Stevie's ex-boyfriend. Mm-hmm. He, according to the reports, he found all these pill bottles. And he was like, what in the heck is all this about? And so he made a report to the Board of Nursing in 2018. Now, it took them two years to investigate till 2020. Mm-hmm. And here we are nine months after the Board of Nursing did their investigation and no action has been taken. He is still taking care of patients mm-hmm. in California and in Washington state. And nobody knows the, any, any better. No, they don't. What scares me is on Instagram during the pandemic, there were so many ads for mental health targeting young people that were for really cheap Counseling, which, you know, I'm for, I'm for, you know, counseling people can't afford, but it just, uh, it just made me sad to know how many people might be just, they don't know what they're getting into with, if that's really a doctor. What makes me upset is what if she had at least continued her TMS therapy? I do know that after she stopped going to TMS because she just didn't want to run into him anymore. That was like in May 20, around May 22nd. And then I mean, she died around July, oh, July 1. And so for a month, she wasn't on any medication, nothing, because she had just like decided not to go anymore because she doesn't want to see Balt. And so, yeah, I mean. What was she like during that month? Do you, do you, I'm sure you spent time with her. Yeah, I did a lot. Um, before she died, she still went to jury duty. <laughs> you know, I thought that was really cool. She still did that. Um, she was really depressed. I mean, really really like I would call her and sometimes she would be crying um, but she would still try to pull through and be like I'm really sorry let me call you back that's what makes me the most angry is that she was trying what do you do when someone's actually trying to get better right and uni I want to tell you something you were a great friend you did everything that you could to help and support your friend And unfortunately, sometimes people do take their own lives. And I'm I'm only telling you this because this wasn't your fault. You know, we had a a psychiatrist on this podcast who lost a very dear friend to suicide. She's a psychiatrist. And she blames herself because she says, I didn't see it. I didn't know. The truth is, a lot of times when people are really ready to act on that, they don't tell people. They don't let them know. And there wasn't necessarily anything you could have done when she made that decision. Now, maybe if she had gotten the right treatment and had the right support and things like that, but this is not your fault. And I just think it's really important that you know that and that you don't hold on to any types of feelings of negativity as far as your role in this. Please know that. I mean, I appreciate that. I think, I do think though that anyone that loves DB and there's so many of us, I'm sure we all feel that we could have done more. Like if we had just known certain things before, you know, 
that's there's that. And like what thing do you wish you knew before? I wish I knew you can never assume someone's not going to be suicidal just because they have dogs or cats. Like, that's just not enough. I really thought that would hold her down, but it didn't. Um, I just wish I had talked to her more about her mental health. Like, I thought it was like a privacy thing. So I didn't want to like pry. And I knew she was on certain medications, but not more. The one thing I will say is you shouldn't, as a friend, like, don't just text someone like, hey, do you need me? Just show up. Um, And I think that's really where, that's what I wish I could have done is just shown up and not just text. One of the things you need that I've learned from talking to psychiatrists and psychologists is that when someone does get into that really, really dark state of mind where they really are thinking about hurting themselves, a lot of times they kind of lose touch with reality in a way. And at that point, you're right. It's really hard to get through to them. So I think it is a good idea to go there, to be with them, to be supportive. But uh, a lot of times once a person is in that far along and they're, they're abnormal thought processes, it's really hard. So I think the key is really catching people early on. And of course, we know that she also um, had the loss of her grandfather, and that was really hard on her. And it may have just been the final straw. And she just wasn't in a good state of mind. Mm -hmm. That probably was the final straw, I think. But but of course, in this, you did everything that you could as a friend, but really, it was the role of the mental health system to help her. And she was going for help. And I think that is the biggest tragedy is that maybe if she had possibly been admitted for hospitalization or of course been on the proper medications, gotten the right treatment, not have been made vulnerable by what she went through with that sexual relationship, which is never appropriate, then, you know, maybe that, you know, things could have been different. And I think that's the hardest thing. And then seeing just the, the disregard of the board of nursing for actually keeping him from doing that, or even just letting patients know that this guy has a black mark on his record. We don't even have anything like that. And it's been several years. I just don't understand how he still is practicing with a license um, in this field, you know, where he gets to prey on the most vulnerables. Well, it's hard just to let you know when we do have bad practitioners and that's across the board, it's really hard to get them removed without the public's help, without people standing up and saying, hey, this is a problem and putting pressure on the board of nursing. Uh, The board of medicine, I would say in most states is pretty quick. You know, anytime that I've known of a physician sleeping with a patient, they've lost their license in the state of Washington. So what's fascinating to me is the board of nursing doesn't seem to to be as upset about sex with patients. The board of medicine doesn't get involved because if NP psychiatrists, NPs can pursue prescribe medication, shouldn't that board also get involved? And also, shouldn't the physician that was supposed to oversee uh, Dr. Baltz get in trouble too? He should. And so to answer your first question, the Board of Medicine oversees only actual physicians, physician doctors, which is now becoming something we have to clarify with people. Um, And it's the Board of Nursing that oversees the nursing practice doctors that are nurse practitioners and not necessarily doctor in the term that we use. That's the first thing. And yes, the physician that was overseeing uh, Gerald Baltz should have been disciplined or should have been evaluated. But uh, but I don't see an open case or investigation. We, you're right. That's who should be overseeing this. And I can tell you in Washington state, now see, he's independent. He doesn't need a physician to supervise him. So again, any mistakes or any lives he harms end up only being looked at by the board of nursing when they get around to it. When they get around to it, I have to go testify in October. Um, And so I'll do that. 
yeah, October seems so far off. I just feel like this takes so long. Um, I remember getting the call from the Board of Nursing. And even then I was like, nursing? Like, oh, okay, like maybe they're, maybe they take care of other things too. I mean, I just didn't know. <sighs> I really didn't know until I listened to your podcast, to be quite honest, like what, what this whole world was. And it opened me up to like more of like, the, like how Stevie's, the context of what Stevie went through before she died. Yeah, and that's really all that we're trying to do here is just let patients know that in some cases, nurses and nurse practitioners can definitely have a role, but if you're having a really serious problem, if you're not getting better, then I would highly recommend to anyone that's listening to seek out a psychiatrist. And that's a medical doctor that went to medical school and did a residency and did a lot of training to be able to help patients with mental health problems. And there is help available. And maybe in some cases, a nurse practitioner can do a certain amount of work, but if you're not doing better, if you're doing worse, if you're having really dark thoughts, then seek care with a psychiatrist. And that is different from a nurse practitioner, psychiatric nurse practitioner. Uni, what would you like to see out of this entire thing? So, I mean, I know, and I thank you for your courage testifying in October, because I know that's going to be hard, but what would you like to see be the outcome of the investigation in California? First, I would like him to lose his license. Um, I, he had one chance and he ruined it. I would also like him to not practice in Washington and Colorado. Uh, why should you get to practice in other states? And yeah, I just talk to more people, spread the word on different kinds of mental health and what you need to take care of, like what you need to be careful of. You, sad thing is like, can you really trust who you're talking to in terms of like your doctor, if he is one or she is one? So that's what I want, I want people to know. I guess you got to do your own research. <laughs> Just... Well, you're so right. And it does make people lose faith in the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest tragedies of this whole thing. Maybe somebody out there won't get help now because they're afraid or because they've had a negative experience. Mm -hmm. So our, I think our message is not mm -hmm. to give up. If you're going through mental health struggles, there is help available. And maybe if you find someone and you're seeing them and they are unethical, they're trying to initiate any a relationship that doesn't feel comfortable or right, or you're just not getting better with your treatment, then it's perfectly fine to say, you know, this isn't working out and get a second opinion and find a different a clinician, preferably, I would say a psychiatrist to talk to. And, you know, I always tell people, sometimes my patients, I re recommend them to a psychologist and they'll say, well, I just had a bad experience. And I'll say, well, you know, sometimes you get your haircut and you get a really bad haircut. Does that mean that you never get your haircut again? Mm -hmm. No, you just don't go back to that same hairstylist. You say this was not good. So, but you don't just say, well, I'm done. You know, there are people who are better and, and than mm -hmm. others, uh, different skill levels. And of course, sometimes you just have a better rapport with one doctor than another. So just because you're seeing somebody, if it's not going well and you're not feeling like you're getting the right care, it's great and it's perfectly acceptable. And any reasonable clinician, whether it's a doctor or nurse practitioner, they will never get upset at a patient for saying, you know, I'm not sure. I think I want to just, can I get a second opinion? Can I get a referral to somebody else? If they say no, or they give you a hard time, that's a red flag. And that means that there's a problem. And I'm telling you, you can ask Naran, you can ask me if my patient says, well, I'm not sure. I think I'd like to get a second opinion. We'll say, great, please do. And let me know. And we're, we welcome that. No. Yeah. I wish, I wish we had gotten that second opinion. 
Well, and it sounds well, like she would have gotten it from the same clinic. That's the only part that's frustrating yeah. to me is I don't even think I realized that she stopped the um, therapy because she was it was so awkward seeing Baltz at the same clinic. And there's just every time I learn more about this case, I just feel like ethics were nowhere to be found in the entire area. Um, you know, I, I just say. When she was getting TMS therapy on her Instagram page, she posted the guy giving her TMS is flirting with her, too. I mean, this whole place is just like inappropriate. It just. Uni, do you think some of it's like Hollywood? Because, you know, Naran and I don't live in that world. <laughs> so, I mean, do you think that's a part of this? Is there some kind of uh, something about the fact that she was sort of a celebrity? And, and do you think that played into that, it? That he wanted to date her? Well, maybe, or just... I'm not sure, honestly. I do think yeah. he's attracted to her, but I, I mean, who wasn't? She was so gorgeous and magnetic, but um, I am not a psychiatrist who took an oath. Well, neither was he. I guess that's the real <laughs> okay, that's point, right? Okay. Neither was Gerald Baltz. He was not a psychiatrist. He did not take a take a um, oath. He took an online course. I mean, that's really what we're talking about. He got an online degree. He he really just kind of wasn't any of those things that you would normally seek out when someone's suicidal. And I will tell you this. I mean, I know the patients who flirt with me are like under 10 when they tell me they want to marry me. So it's a little bit different, mm -hmm. but I still tell them they can't marry me and that they'll find someone their own age someday, even though they're darling little children. So again, it's our job not to set inappropriate boundaries. And I will tell you during this pandemic, I hug children. I say goodbye. I tell them they, they need to go forth and conquer on whatever their dreams are, but I don't flirt or get sexual with patients. And I know Dr. Bernard doesn't either because we did take an oath and we did go to school and we gave up a lot of our twenties to try to help save lives. Yeah. And especially if it's a vulnerable, my goodness, that just the idea that somebody is really hurting and you know that they're going through all of this and then to still put your own needs and desires ahead of that patient's interests, mm -hmm. it's just really egregious. And it's, it's so sad. And I feel so badly that this happened to Stevie and I'm glad that she had a good friend like you to talk to. And I'm really proud of you for speaking out so that other people can learn from this tragedy that maybe someone else can be saved and, and get better care and be okay. I just want to say that I'm, I feel like I'm the lucky one that got to be friends with Stevie. That's how I feel about that. Yeah, she sounds, sounds like an amazing human being. And uh, I'm, I'm really glad you guys are speaking out on her behalf. I feel like that is what she probably would have wanted you to do, carrying on her message that she was already trying to put forth into the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uni, I want to thank you so much for joining us. You and, you know, if you ever want to come and talk with us ever again, please let us know. And we're here to help and support you in any way possible. And you're really a brave and wonderful friend. And just thank you for who you are. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for all your work. And if you ever want to check in with us, even if it's after October, we're here and we'd love to chat with you again. Okay. Good luck. Thank you so much, doctors. Bye. Thank you so much to Uni Kim for joining us to discuss this situation and for her bravery in speaking out. If you'd like to learn more about the importance of physician-led care, we encourage you to get our book. It's called Patients at Risk, The Rise of the Nurse Practitioner and Physician Assistant in Healthcare. It's available at amazon.com and at barnesandnoble.com. We encourage you to subscribe to our podcast and to our YouTube channel. And if you're a physician and you'd like to help us work on this important issue, we encourage you to join us at Physicians for Patient Protection. Our website is physiciansforpatientprotection.org. Thanks so much. And we'll see you on the next podcast. Mm -hmm.